Penn State played Iowa yesterday in uh, the Big Ten. And following the game, uh, Trace McSorley, the quarterback for uh, Penn State, was interviewed. And um, during the game, he had got hurt, and he kind of limped off the field and uh, the reporter was asking him, hey, what was going on on the sideline? We saw you talking to somebody. And uh, he said, well, that was my father. And my father said to me that he loved me and that I could make it through this game. And he was tearing up while he was talking about it. He said, my, my father has a way of encouraging me. And I thought today, you need to hear that from your Heavenly Father. Your Heavenly Father is here and He is wanting to let you know that He loves you and He's proud of you and that you can make it. Whatever you're going through, you can make it because he's with you. And so uh, may that happen. Huh? Let that happen. You could even, while you're sitting, you're just say, Lord, you know, I, I need that. And I believe that's what God is, is wanting to say. So, so there we have it. We, um, uh, first, ga- first gathering, uh, this morning, uh, going to get my mic to work. We had to take it apart, not really, but open the door to where you turn. There's two ways you could turn this thing on, and typically I turn it on from the outside. Dave Ogren turned it off on the inside, <laughs> and he didn't tell anybody. And um, and so I, so we had a, you know, I kind of messed around a little bit and found out what the problem was. So I told everybody, I'm gonna have to text Dave Ogren. I'm gonna blame him. It's all his fault. Isn't it fun to blame somebody, huh? Instead of taking responsibility for your life. No, no, you need to take responsibility for your life. So, with God's help, stop blaming what's happened to you. Stop blaming God. Stop blaming other people for the choices you've made in your life. Take responsibility and ask God to help you. And he will. God will make a way. It was one of the most popular worship songs that have been around a while, written by Don Moen. And uh, boy, Don Moen's been around a long time. And I'm not going to ask you how many of you know Don Moen or heard of him because that's going to date you as bad as it's going to date me. 
It's like he's been around as long as Cheerios. <laughs> anyway, he, uh, he's just written a book, and uh, we'll hit that in a moment, but um, uh, he says that this song, God Will Make a Way, was really born from adversity and tragedy. He, he says, I got a call from my mother-in-law late one night, and she told me that my wife's sister and her husband Craig and Susan Phelps had been involved in a tragic car accident while taking their kids on a ski trip. All four of their children were thrown out of the vehicle, and the oldest, a nine-year-old boy, was killed instantly. The other three were seriously injured. It was life-altering, and I didn't know what to say to them, he continued. But Craig was a Bible teacher at his church, and they were both full of faith. As I sat on the plane, wondering what I should say to them, I began to read from the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 19. He said, that verse stood out to me. It says, I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And instantly the Lord gave me a song to sing to them. And so privately, I sang this song to my grieving in-laws with lyrics, Oh God, will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. It was a song written in desperation, but it brought a word of hope to them. When everything around you seems lost, God is working in ways you cannot see. And I get it this morning that you might be going through something in your life, and man, you've, it may be decades, and you still don't know why it happened. And you may not know until you get to heaven. But the fact of the matter is, God is working in ways you cannot see. Don Moen's book uh, just came out last week. It's called God Will Make a Way, Discovering His Hope in Your Story. He says, I've never written a book before, and I thought, if I'm going to write one, I'm going to write about something that was life, a life-changing experience. And um, he writes personal stories and scripture to remind readers that God doesn't forget his children and that God does remain faithful. We sang about that, didn't we? He is faithful. Don says, so often people look at their lives and everything's going fine, then you lose your job, go through a divorce, lose a family, or receive a devastating health diagnosis. These things can rock your world, and you think, how am I going to find hope in my story? And they can see, it can seem hopeless. I want people to know that God is with them in spite of loss and hopelessness. If you look close enough, you can see the hand of God in your life. Don says, man, I've written over 5 million, you know, sold over 5 million records. Uh, my music is birthed out of my deep love for Jesus Christ. And he says, if you analyze my songs, you'll see that a lot of them are prayers. Life situations motivate me. I'm not, gonna, I'm not the kind of songwriter that sits down in the morning and writes a song. I want to write songs that go beyond the intellect and emotion and really reach deep, and touch people in their spirit. That's what will change a life. 
I want readers to know that God isn't finished with them. He's going to do something new and make a road in the wilderness. I think it's good to know the background, don't you, on that story, God will make a way. You know, life isn't rosy. Everything's going my way. Easy to write a song, God will make a way. No, no, it's in tragedy. And how many of us in this room have faced tragedy and are going through tragedy right now? And it reminds us of the book of Habakkuk. And I think of Don Moen saying that a lot of my songs are really prayers to God. And that's exactly what chapter 3 in Habakkuk is all about, where Habakkuk, the prophet, is singing his prayer to God. You can sing your prayers to God. You can talk your prayers to God. There's not a right or wrong way of doing it, but that's an option. And we've been talking about Habakkuk, and I have to tell you again that this book has really been challenging me, and I hope it's been challenging to you as well. Habakkuk was dealing with doubt in his life and in his walk with God, and he brought it to God in a very transparent way. And I like that because he gives you and I permission to do the very same thing. A lot of people run away from God when they have questions. And they vacate their relationship with Christ in the process. But that's the wrong way. Because Habakkuk was willing to bring everything, the doubts, the fears, the, the questions about God and his faith, God was able to walk him through the process and bring him to the other side, which is where we land in chapter 3. And in Psalm 118.5, I, I read this yesterday. I have been talking about the importance of bringing your Bibles to, to Sunday here. Because by bringing our Bibles here, we're, we're, I think, acknowledging the fact that my Bible is valuable to me. And as a reminder of bringing it on Sundays, it's, it's, we're telling ourselves, I'm going to read this on a consistent basis this week. It's a good trigger. And I've been in a Bible reading plan for over 40 years, and that's because I need that. I need that structure. And so I read a psalm or proverb a day. I read two chapters out of the Old Testament, and I read one chapter out of the New Testament. So yesterday in my Bible reading, in Psalm 118, man, this, this and we're going to hit that again just in a moment, but Psalm 118.5, and if you have your Bibles, man, you can track with us for sure. But David is writing this, and it echoes what Habakkuk was going through. In my distress... I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. Should we read that again? In my distress, I prayed to the Lord. Habakkuk did that same thing. Man, he was distressed, and he prayed. And he says, the Lord answered me. 
and he set me free. Man, does God want to set us free, huh? Yes, he does. Verse 7, yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. That's what God wants to do. He wants to help you and me. That's what it's all about. He wants to help us. And so chapter 3 um, is Habakkuk's closing prayer in his spiritual journey. And um, we, can, we can learn from Habakkuk on what the process was from chapters 1 and 2 to chapter 3 to where things got settled in his core. So on the back of your program, there's a, an outline and and uh, you will notice there's some, uh, some of the blanks are filled in. That's because that's where we left off two weeks ago. And I will tell you this morning, you will not have the privilege of filling in any blanks. So you can put your pins away. Not really. You're going to want to take some other notes, but... It's all right. So number one, Habakkuk changed. Verse one, verse one. this prayer was sung by the, Habak- by the prophet Habakkuk. Okay, uh, something happened on the inside of Habakkuk, right? Something, something was going on. And I, I ask myself this question a lot. Why, why do some people change for the better and some don't change at all? They just kind of get locked into life. And there's never any change. And how, how does change happen? And what motivates change? And, and what's, what's, what's it all about? And so I kind of, you know, we've, we've hit this Habakkuk change two weeks ago, but I, I want to come back to it because uh, last Tuesday at our men's life group, we, we hit a topic that I think is so relevant for all of us. And that was the fact where David, um, as king of, of Israel, uh, decided to uh, get involved with someone outside of his wife, Bathsheba specifically. And it was a series of choices that he made and and really not very wise. And on the screen, there's an image of crossroads, and I, I, I want that to be an image that we can bring up in our minds on a consistent basis because that's really where it all happens in life. We're all on a road of life, and every single day, we have choices to make. We have decisions to make, don't we? And what I'd like you to do is put yourself where this guy is, right at the center. And which way are you going in life right now? And which way do you want to continue? Only you can make that decision. Only you can make that choice. And... I'm so glad that Habakkuk gives us an example of someone who, who tracked with God for his life. He didn't swerve. He didn't go off and come on again. And, and, and I get it. There's times that happens. But he drew a line in the sand and he said, I'm going to live for God. I don't care what my 
nation is doing, what my culture is saying to me, I am going to live for God no matter what. And I hope that's your decision as well. Because that really is the most important decision you can make. So, coming off of the life group on Tuesday, one of the dudes said, hey, this is a message that we should hear about every three months. You know? And... um, I can tell you I did not plan on bringing this in to Sunday, but over the days of last week, uh, it's happened. It's happened. So hopefully uh, we can learn from from, uh, Habakkuk and David at the same time. So Randy Elkhorn, in his book, The Purity Principle, and, and we've pushed this book a lot in, at uh, Life Church. And if, if you're a dude and a lady, this is a very, very good resource to have. And it's not, it's, not, it's not a book like this. This would be intimidating to a dude. You know, a big book like this. Guys would say, I'm not going to read that. They could read something like this, right? That's doable. Right? That's doable. So, so Randy Elkhorn, I'm, I'm promoting that, and you can go on Amazon and pick it up. It's a great, it's, it's great. In that book, he talks about Eric came storming into his office. Randy's a pastor, and um, he, he sat in a chair across from, from Randy, and he says, I'm really mad at God. Have you ever been there before? I'm mad at God. Yeah. And so um, Randy knew Eric. Eric had grown up in a Christian family, married a Christian woman, and now he's a picture of misery. And so Randy was trying to get a pulse for what's going on and what's ticked Eric off so much. And so he asked him, why are you so mad at God? And he says, well, last week I committed adultery. And there's a long pause. And Randy said, well, I can see why God would be grieved at you, but why are you mad at God? And Eric explained for several months he felt a strong mutual attraction to a woman at his work. And um, he prayed earnestly that God would uh, keep him from immorality. And so Randy asked, did you ask your wife to pray for you? Did you stay away from the woman? And uh, he said, no, no, I hadn't. I, I went out for lunch with her almost every day. So slowly, Randy began pushing a huge book on his, on his desk, across the desk. And Eric watched as the book became closer and closer to the edge. And Randy prayed out loud, oh, Lord, please keep this book from falling. And he kept pushing and he kept praying, God, keep this book from falling. But God did not suspend the law of gravity because the book went right over the edge and it hit the floor. And Randy said, I'm mad at God. I asked him to keep my book from falling, and he let me down. And how many of us hope, you know, that God will keep us from calamity and misery? You know, while every day we make small, inconsequential, immoral choices, you know, toward larger immoralities. And... uh, I was thinking about the straight life, and, and um, 
And uh, Jim Dobson, uh, years ago, addressed the straight life in one of his books. And he talked about, as followers of Jesus Christ, we, we get on the straight life. We, we choose to live for Jesus Christ. But he says what, what can happen is <clears throat> daily living, we, we tend to blip off the straight life. We, we jump off and then we jump back real quick. And, and next time we maybe jump off a little longer and then we jump back. And over a period of time, we, we, we're jumping off, but we're staying away from the straight life a little bit longer. And so we we can ultimately find ourselves where we jump off the straight life and we stay off the straight life, kind of like the crossroads. Every single one of us in this room decide if I'm going to stay on the straight life today or am I going to blip off? Am I going to jump off and jump back again? It's like a little game we play. I can flirt with sin, right? I can flirt with it. It's not going to hurt me. But what happens, we find it a little more convenient the next time to stay off a little bit longer. And so compromise begins to set in. And so Randy Elkhorn says, to this day I can still hear the sound of that book hitting the floor. It was a picture of Eric's life, young, gifted, blessed with a wife and a little girl. He meant just a life full of potential. But his story didn't end that day. Eventually, he became a sexual predator. And he's been in prison for years now, repentant but suffering the consequences of inching his life toward the edge until gravity took over. Kenny Luck, who was on the uh, promotion for the No Regrets Conference, that's the material we use on our life group, by the way. Uh, he talks about a men's retreat where he surveyed 550 men, and he asked the question, and this was anonymous, you didn't, you didn't put your name on this survey. What causes you to disconnect from God on a continual, habitual, or fatal basis? And I want to ask you that question this morning as well. What causes you to disconnect from God on a continual, habitual, or fatal basis? Just, just think about it for a moment and bring it up to the front of your head. More than 90% of the men indicated that lust, pornography, sexual fantasy were their top reasons for spiritual disconnection. Do you think God wants you to be spiritually disconnected from him? Hmm? Yes or no? No, he doesn't. No, that's not his will. That's why he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins and my sins so that we could be connected to his Father. He paid for my sin and your sin. He wants that. That's his will. That's his desire. And so 
the spiritual connection, this has kind of been a theme that's that's been kind of hovering around me lately. What causes spiritual connection in people's lives? Followers of Jesus Christ, man, what is it? And it doesn't have to just be these were that came up at the men's conference. It can be a lot of different things. And I ask myself, does God leave us on this planet so that we can be spiritually disconnected from him? No, no, no. He wants you and he wants me to experience victory in being connected with him, where we thrive in that relationship. That's what he wants. And that's what he desires. And he gives you and I the ability to experience that. We can't do it on our own, but he, Jesus, living in and through us, gives us everything we need to walk in victory. And so... And so in Psalm 118, we go back to that chapter that I read yesterday, and I thought, man, this is, this is so good. Let's, let's read it. Let's read it. Psalm 118, 1 and 2. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. We sang about that this morning. Let all Israel repeat, his faithful love endures forever. Verse 7, yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. I will look in triumph at those who hate me. Verse 14, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. Songs of joy and victory are sung in the camp of the godly. Use your imagination on how that would look. The strong right arm of the Lord has done glorious things. See, the psalmist is saying, it's not me, us, who gave the victory, it's the Lord, has done glorious things. The strong right arm of the Lord is raised in triumph. The strong right arm of the Lord has done glorious things. Verse 21, I thank you, Lord, for answering my prayer and giving me victory. Wouldn't that be cool? Where the body of Christ, the life church man, we would just line up and say, Woo! To God, thank you for giving us the victory, Lord. We're all in this together, man. What's causing you to be disconnected from God this morning? What is causing you from experiencing victory in your life? I thank you. I thank you for giving me victory. There's a hymn. I was talking to some dude this morning. It was his first time here. He's visiting the area. And he says, I love hymns. I like contemporary worship too. And I said, well, there's times I sing a hymn. I'm going to sing one for you right now. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. 
He bought me and he brought me with his precious blood. Victory in Jesus. Man, I I tell you, when we get to heaven, there's going to be some kind of a band and orchestra and cymbals and drums and we're going to be marching throughout heaven singing victory in Jesus. My Savior forever. Or do you think we'll be singing, whoa, I made it by the skin of my teeth. Huh? I hope not. I hope not. There is nothing like victory. Yesterday, the Badgers got whooped. They did. They, they, it was terrible. It was depressing watching. I didn't even watch them. I just heard about it. And I'm driving to church yesterday afternoon, and I turn on the radio, and they get, the guys are talking about, whoa, man, the Badgers, they need a victory this coming Saturday. Next Saturday. They're talking about next Saturday. The next Saturday, they need a victory to turn things around. And I thought to myself, isn't that true in all of our lives? Aren't you tired of defeat in your life? Aren't you tired of giving ground to the enemy in your life? Aren't you tired of surrendering to the enemy? A slave to sin? Aren't you tired of it? What we need is victory, man. Victory to turn things around. And it all comes because of Jesus Christ, because he made the way. He made the way. And so because, Lord, you gave me victory, verse 28, you are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. (laughs) Boom! That is good. That is good. And so... Peter, the dude who denied Jesus three times, the dude who would have walked away. In fact, he walked away, you know, thinking, I messed up big time. Jesus could never use me again. Jesus comes by that Sea of Galilee and makes breakfast for Peter and reinstates him as his follower. Aren't you glad for that? Well, Peter, that dude who denied Jesus three times, he writes this in 2 Peter, and he tells us, I disconnected, but Jesus reconnected me. And let me tell you how that happens. You want to hear how that happens? In 2 Peter 1, verse 3, he writes, By his divine power. Whose divine power? God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us what? Great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, Peter says, Make every effort to respond to God's promises. What does that mean? 
That means that, means that, that when you're at home, God's not going to send an angel and open up the Bible and read it to you. You, you, me, we have make every effort to open up the Bible, God's word, and read those great and precious promises and stand on those promises to give you God's divine nature flowing through your life. Not, I can't do it, but his power can do it in and through me. That's what he wants. So Peter pulls back the curtain and says, That's, this is what's worked for me. You notice he didn't bail out on God after he was restored by Jesus by the Sea of Galilee. He said, I'm tired of being disconnected. And he did something about it. And I'm so glad that... Habakkuk didn't disconnect in the midst of all of his questions and all of his doubts about God. He embraced God and God walked him through. One of the dudes at the retreat wrote this on the questionnaire and he says, I know it's wrong. I know I shouldn't do that, say that, or watch that. It's, it feels wrong, but I do it anyway. I always say to myself that I'll start all over tomorrow. Just one more day, then I'll start all over tomorrow. Just one more day, and then I'll start all over Monday. I can change. I just do it. I'll just do it later. And I thought to myself, here's a man who, like so many men, look back on their life full of regrets. Regretting the fact that they never experienced victory in their life. God wants you and I to experience victory. And he's given us everything we need to do that. Do not, do not Live your life so that you look back on it full of regrets. No, don't do it. Don't do it. What is God's Spirit saying to you right now? What is he saying? Remember, we, we started with God opened the door to my heart. Mm. Because Proverbs 28, 13 says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. We sang about God's mercy this morning. Over and over. And David, who, who finally had been concealing his sins, plural, 
God loved him enough to send a man of God, a prophet, Nathan, to ring the doorbell to David's heart. And David did confess that sin. In Psalm 51, listen to what he writes. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. That's interesting. He says, you've broken me. In other words, David is acknowledging he can't hide from God. You know, he thought he could bury this sin and God blinked and didn't see it. No, he, he, he broke him. He, he broke him to the point where all David could do was cry out to the Lord for forgiveness. You know, that arrogance where you think you can get away with something. You know, I can do this. I can hide this. But David realized that couldn't happen. And Randy Alcorn concludes, as I look at myself and my brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm deeply concerned how careless and morally soft we've become. At times we are frighteningly weak in our exercise of sexual purity and morality. We watch and are amused by what offends a holy God. Our tolerance for impurity keeps expanding Sin sneaks in under our radar. We make ourselves defenseless. Men and women desensitized by immorality are teetering on the verge of affairs, sit in church calloused or writhing in guilt and agony, feeling like hypocrites they are and hating themselves for it. They may, sit, they may still attend, but their distance, they distance themselves from God and others. Our God longs to forgive and restore, delivering us from the road to death and setting us on the path of life. It's time to take a close look at our minds, our words, and our actions. Isn't that true? So this morning, I want to encourage you, don't be discouraged, you know. If you have been disconnected from God and, like Randy says, you feel like a hypocrite, don't you think it's time to bring it to the surface and say, God, here it is. This is what's causing me to be disconnected from you. Will you forgive me, Lord? Because God wants to forgive. And I, I see the imagery of the prodigal son in Luke 15 and the father running to his son. Man, I love that. God wants to run to you this morning. And it says, so he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled 
with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. I tell you, man, our Heavenly Father wants to embrace you, to kiss you with love and compassion. That's the heart of God right there. Alarms going off. There were alarms going off in David's life. There were alarms going off in Eric's life. There may be alarms going off in your life this morning where God is trying to get your attention. You're off the straight life. You've blipped off. Habakkuk. Through a line in the sand, I will live for God. The straight life is what I'm after. Are there alarms going off in your life right now? Second Chronicles 36.15 in the message, God sounds the alarm to his people. And by the way, Second Chronicles 36 is right on the timeline of Habakkuk. And it says, God, the God of their ancestors, repeatedly sent warning messages to them out of compassion for both his people and his temple. He wanted to give them every chance possible. Do you see the alarms going off? But they wouldn't listen. They poked fun at God's messengers, despised the message itself, and in general treated the prophets like idiots. God became more and more angry until... There was no turning back. God called in Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. That's exactly what God told Habakkuk he was going to do. But God became more and more angry. It's that righteous anger where his people had rejected him for generation and generation. And finally, because he's a just God, he had to bring justice to his people. That's what that's all about. And so this morning, as... We look at Habakkuk, that Habakkuk changed. I'm so glad he changed. That he didn't pack it up and say, God, forget you. No, he embraced God through all the questions and the doubts. And and now in chapter 3, he's singing his prayer to God, trusting God because God is God and Habakkuk wasn't. He was okay with that. The alarms have been going off in Judah and judgment's coming. Listen, the alarms are going off this morning. What is the one thing that causes you to disconnect from God? You have to decide to do something about it because God has given you everything you need to walk in victory. Father, we thank you this morning. That you have an alarm system. It's the Holy Spirit. It's our conscience, Lord. And if we keep ignoring the alarms, we don't don't hear them anymore. And our hearts become hardened and calloused. And and, uh, Lord, we we just kind of blow things off. And Lord, we don't want to be disconnected from you any longer. We don't want to have a life full of regrets. But God, we want 
to follow you. At the crossroads, Lord, we want to follow that road that follows after you. Will you forgive us, Lord, for living lives that become disconnected from you? We feel guilty. We feel shame. Embarrassed, Lord. But here we are this morning. Here we are, Lord. Will you bring that one thing up to God right now? Will you do it? put it on the table in front of him and say, Lord, this is what's been causing me to disconnect from you. I don't want, I don't want to be disconnected anymore. I don't want to look back on my life regretting I didn't take this opportunity to do something, to confess it to you, Lord, to ask for your forgiveness, to allow you to bring victory in my life. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for being that Heavenly Father that runs to us, arms wide open. What a God we serve. What a God we serve. And so thank you, Lord. Thank you for the good work that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're a guest this morning, we'd love to see you in the cafe. If uh, you need prayer for any reason, we'll have prayer teams up front. Just a thought, if Habakkuk had been disconnected with God, this book of Habakkuk would never have been written so that 2,600 years later, you and I could open it up and read Habakkuk's challenges and questions. But aren't you glad that he did not disconnect with God? Could it be that God has a plan for your life. Not writing a book in the Bible, but modeling the character of Christ to the people around you, to the next generation. Hmm? Connect. Connect with God this morning. In Jesus' name.